From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Headaches, sweating, rapid heartbeat, and high blood pressure, these are common symptoms of pheochromocytoma. Here to talk about this rare disorder is Dr. Jesse Gutnick, an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate. Welcome, Dr. Gutnick. Good morning. Let's start with the definition of pheochromocytoma. Well, pheochromocytoma is a tumor of the adrenal gland. Um, they can be benign, and most of the time they are, or, or cancerous. But the reason that they're all treated is that they secrete hormones inappropriately, which cause those symptoms that you described and other health-related problems, most related to, to really severe blood pressure. So the, uh, the adrenal glands, those are on the kidneys, right? So they're above the kidney, and they're connected to the nervous system. They're sort of a gland extension of the nervous system, and normally they secrete hormones like adrenaline. Um, but when they're a pro- when the the reason that one of the reasons these tumors are a problem is they can secrete that inappropriately or at times that it's not needed, and at levels that are much much higher than they would secrete naturally or normally. Is it just um, adrenaline, or are there other hormones that they might secrete? It's yeah. adrenaline or other hormones that. Um, are related to adrenaline. Depending okay. on the tumor, um, sometimes they secrete that final product or sometimes they secrete other hormones that are in the chemical process to make that. But they don't, because they're a tumor, they may not secrete that because they aren't processing things normally. Okay. And is this something that potentially, affect, does it affect men and women the same? Does, is it an adult or children? Who's it's, affected by it's this? It's mostly adults. Children have other tumors of the adrenal gland. But pheochromocytoma would be something that would maybe you would become aware of 20s, 30s, 40s? Yeah, generally as an adult. Okay. There, there are some people that can get them younger um, if they have a familial genetic syndrome that causes pheochromocytomas or other um, endocrine tumors. Um, And so actually part of the workup for these is checking for those syndromes because sometimes the person that has one can be the first person in their family to get that mutation. So there's a genetic cause. There can be. There can be. Do we know of other causes of what makes a person develop these tumors? Luck. Really? Bad luck? (laughs) Bad luck. Okay. Well, let's talk about the symptoms. How do people find out or become aware that they've got this? Um, I listed, you know, headaches, sweating, rapid heartbeat, high blood pressure, but those are kind of, those could go with a lot of different things. So there's really two ways that people come to the attention of a physician or a surgeon that takes care of this. The first is those symptoms that you have, and it's sort of on a recurrent basis usually happens in spells where they feel fine and then have those symptoms on an intermittent basis, and their physician identifies that. The other way is that they can be seen on a CT scan, and so someone might have gotten a CT scan for some other reason. Let's say, for example, they got in a car accident and they got a CT scan in the emergency department, and they see one of these. Usually those are smaller, and they're secreting less hormones, so people have less symptoms, but they kind of come to our attention in both ways. Just as an accidental discovery. Yeah, and then and then when you go back and ask somebody, you talk to them and they say, yes, I have been feeling those things, but I thought it was severe nerves or something else like that. Typically, those are smaller tumors, and typically they're secreting less of the hormone than the ones where people come to your attention from the symptoms. 
But as you can imagine, it can go both ways. So you use the word spell. So this is like something that could happen. Um, it happens on and off. On and off. Yeah. What are some other uh, symptoms? The headaches, the sweating, rapid heartbeat, uh, high blood pressure, which a person may not know they've, they've got. But are there other things, uh, symptoms that a person could be aware of? Those are the main ones. Okay. And it's not something to be looking out for in the average day. It's more something that if you're feeling that way over and over, something to talk to your physician about. All right. Why is uh, pheochromocytoma, why is it a problem? What, what makes it dangerous? So pheochromocytoma cause, can cause significant health problems, primarily related to that severe blood pressure related to a lot of adrenaline. If you can think about it, um, we, most people that are not in medicine think of adrenaline as that flight or flight type right. hormone. That it's a good thing that helps you get through some, if you're being chased by a bear. Sure. Um, but it also is secreted on a regular basis um, to do other endocrinologic management of your body. Um, and so when it's being inappropriately secreted, when you don't need to be running away from a bear, as you uh, gave the example of, it's unhealthy and cause severe blood pressure, the kind that you can give you strokes and other types of heart and vascular problems, among other things. So it stresses the body exactly. more than it should be, like in an ongoing way. Exactly. Okay. Well, let me remind listeners, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Jesse Gutnick. He's an assistant professor of surgery at Upstate, and we're talking about how he takes care of people with pheochromocytoma, which is a rare, right? This is a pretty rare disorder. They are quite rare. Or tumors on the um, adrenal glands. Um, now, if you if you have a tumor on one adrenal gland, does that mean because you have two of these, right? Two adrenal glands. You have two adrenal glands. They live both of them live just above each kidney. If one's affected, will the other one necessarily be? So generally not. Um, you can get them in both adrenal glands, but again, that is with some of those rare genetic disorders that we mentioned earlier, where you get them on either one. Or if, certainly, if you saw that, you would know that that person had one of those and, and you'd need to test for it. All right. Well, I want to ask you to sort of walk me through if I'm newly discovered to have this tumor on my adrenal gland, what are some of the things that you would talk with me about at, a, at our first visit? What would be um, your recommended treatment options? Well, so there's really two, like we talked about earlier, there's two ways that these kinds of things come to our attention. The first is if you're coming in for symptoms, and the second is if you come in with an incidental finding on a CT scan or other imaging test. Okay. And the work, the workups are kind of the same, and it's a biochemical diagnosis process where you take blood and urine from the patient to measure the hormonal levels um, to test for the hormones that are causing this. If you're having the symptoms, you're testing for the hormones to see if these symptoms are caused by a pheochromocytoma or if they're caused by other potential causes of spells of, of this nature. Do you have to get the blood test or the urine test during a spell? You don't need to get it during a spell because even though the hormones that give you those symptoms are secreted intermittently, there are some other byproduct hormones that are secreted on a continuous basis that you can measure for in the blood and the urine. And so fortunately, over the, in the more recent times, we've identified those and can measure them in a clinical laboratory. 
All right. Which has really aided the diagnosis compared to many years ago. Okay. Because b- before you had that, you sort of had to go on the symptoms to determine whether that's what it was, right? If you go back long enough, yes. All right. Once you go through the um, blood work and the um, urine test and you're sure that that's what this is, tumors on the adrenal gland, tumor or tumors on the adrenal gland, what, um, what do you have to do for management? So there's two steps to the treatment. The first is blocking those hormones from affecting your body. And that's done using medications. And that's done to prepare you for surgery to remove this tumor because there's no good long-term medical treatment for it. You can just block these hormones, but that's not a permanent solution to this. And so we do that to do two things. The first is to let your body rehydrate itself because part of these is you get very dehydrated over time. And so that takes several weeks. The second is at the time of surgery, just by touching the gland, it can make it secrete excess hormone. And so by getting a good blockage, it prevents blood pressure spikes and drops during the operation and after the operation. So the blocking process takes about three weeks to a month to prepare for surgery. Okay. But surgery is inevitable. As long as someone's healthy enough to undergo surgery. But there's no non-surgical treatment. You can only block the hormone. You mentioned the need for hydration during that time or rehydration. Is there anything else that a person does um, in terms of diet maybe to prepare for surgery? Yeah, it's the only time a doctor will ever tell you to eat lots of salt. Because that salt helps you rehydrate. Okay. Because that salt makes you thirsty and helps you keep bringing water into your system. So I think it's the only time a doctor will tell you to eat lots of potato chips. (laughs) Are the uh, tumors ever found to be cancerous? They can be occasionally, but most of them are not. And do, do you know that before you remove them, or do you only find that out after it's sent to the lab? Um, you can know it beforehand if it looks a certain way on the imaging test. But for the most part, it is something that's identified on the, when the pathologist looks at it under the microscope. Well, let me uh, have you walk us through what the surgery's like. If we've gone three or four weeks and we've done the eating extra salt and high, rehydrating, what do we look forward to? Do we come in the, the morning of surgery? For most people, it come in the morning of surgery. And the vast majority of these can be done using minimally invasive surgery. Um, if, if, in that, if it's that rare case where it appears to be a tumor that's growing into other structures, um, if it was a malignant one and it was obvious on the imaging that it was growing into other structures, that would be one that would be approached in an old-fashioned sort of open fashion. Um, but the vast majority of these are treated lap- laparoscopically. Now, if the kidney's sort of in, in the back of your body, right? Correct. So do you cut into the person on the back? There's a lot of different ways of approaching it because it does live sort of in the back. Usually it's from the, it's like, as I said, it's done using a minimally invasive techniques, usually with three or four small incisions. And that is typically done from the back or from the side, just depending on how you, the particular person's anatomy is. How big do these tumors get? They can be anything from a centimeter to 
fairly large in some of the cancerous ones. Are they ever big enough that a person can sort of feel it by pressing on their... No. No, they don't get that big. Well, it's not how big they are. If if one of these maybe was on your arm underneath the skin and was a centimeter, of course, you'd feel it. But because of where they're located, you just wouldn't feel where they are. Okay. Now, once it's removed and it's minimally invasive, typically um, minimally invasive surgeries, patients go home that night, right? Um, Patients definitely stay afterwards because you need to very carefully monitor their blood pressure. As you can imagine, if you have a tumor that's making a hormone that keeps your blood pressure way, way, way up, afterwards it can sometimes be a little bit low. So everybody's certainly monitored overnight um, to make sure that they're adjusting well to not having that excess hormone. What are the chances uh, after you've removed a tumor that it'll grow back again? If, if you're not somebody with a genetic syndrome that would make you grow these on a, on a, a more frequent basis, it really shouldn't come back unless it's a cancerous one. But if you've had the genetic testing and you know that you're inclined it might then you it, might develop it, then others. It entirely depends on exactly what type of genetic um, syndrome you have. They all carry a very different a level of risk. Does someone with um, pheochromocytoma do they have limitations on their activities? I mean, certainly when they're recovering from surgery, they probably have restrictions. Right? Yeah, before before surgery, we ask people to not do anything too strenuous, just to not cr- provoke a secretion spell. But afterwards, after you recover, there's absolutely no limitations. And if a man or woman has pheochromocytoma and it's not the genetic kind, what are the chances that they'll have a child who would also develop it? So the chances are no higher. If they don't have a genetic syndrome, the chances are no higher than the average person walking down the street. But if they do have a genetic syndrome? Then it totally depends on the genetic syndrome. Some... um, the nice thing is that the genetic testing has become so specific that once you identify what type it is, you can usually give a very good estimation of the chances. But there's so many different ones with so many different levels of risk. It, it just depends. Is this uh, on the radar of primary care providers? If a patient comes in and says, you know, I, I get headaches and I'm, I break out in sweats and my heart feels like it's racing. Do, is pheochromocytoma on their radar as a possibility? I think it depends on, uh, like with most things that are very rare, it depends on the physician um, and what their interests are. So you can't know in detail about every rare thing, but um, I think somebody that's a good clinician would certainly um, would, should raise their antennas if they're having, hearing these kinds of things. The other thing to know is that there's other syndromes that can cause similar um, symptoms that are other thing that are caused by other things, and so I think that role of that person would be more to have their antennas raised than to say this is definitely it. Right. Well, this has been very interesting. Thank you so much for the information. My guest has been surgeon Dr. Jesse Gutnick. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show. HealthLink on air.